0: All right, welcome to the very first episode of Last Generation Outdoors podcast. And right now I'm kind of waiting for Colin so he can sit down here and so we can start recording, talking, and figuring things out. So it's our very first one, so if this ends up being really crappy or whatever, my bad, sorry. But so we went out... This morning, not this morning, this evening after work, and we were going to go sit in a setup that we had that Colin wanted to go check out. That and we put up earlier this year. Yeah, that we put up earlier this year. And well, something a little happened that was kind of unexpected and unwanting. So, you want to tell us what happened? Well,. Mm-hmm.
1: You know it as well as I do for what happened. It was kind of a whole deal of not doing full maintenance on stands and periodically checking them out. So that's a boo-boo on our end. Mm -hmm. But it goes to show that if you... Have too much confidence, things can and will go wrong. But thankfully for Mason being there, we don't know how it all happened, but we felt the, well, I felt the stand popping in the wind. And then after about a half hour sitting in it, I told him, you know, it just didn't feel right. And the minute after I had said that, we heard it pop loud. And both of us said, oh crap. And it, uh, something had twisted and busted to where the strap was barely hanging onto the upper part of the stand. And with him not, with him grabbing on to the part that he could was enough to be able to get me down. But then halfway down, I noticed that the stand had actually twisted in the tree. We don't know how it twisted or why it twisted, except for something breaking or something not being right. And the minute that my body came, my weight came off of the stand completely, it twisted back into place. But it's a stand that we are no longer going to trust and just retire.
0: Yeah, pretty much. So, um, pretty much what these companies need to start doing is making big boy stands. I mean, we're not the... At affordable prices, not
1: yeah. not 200 and some odd dollars for a one and a half man stand that holds 350 pounds. Why not make a, you know, why not make a stand? I mean, Lone Wolf makes portable stands for 350 pound guys. Why is every ladder stand only rated at three hundred?
0: Yeah, pretty much.
1: Why can't what What's wrong with making a stand that has a three hundred pound rating or a four hundred pound rating? Some of these big name companies and sell them for a hundred bucks or a hundred and thirty bucks. What's mm-hmm. wrong with that? Yep. You know, we hunting does not need to be a rich man sport, and it's starting to get to the point to where a lot of the stands that I have are. Five, ten, fifteen years old. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of those I,
0: stands are about what, ninety to a hundred? A little over a hundred bucks. Yep.
1: I, I have yet to spend over a hundred and twenty dollars on a stand. They all still support me. I check them and I don't have issues with them. I routinely check them. Like I said, it was this one stand I with it being a name brand stand, I didn't think I need to would have to check it as much because it's not as old. But just goes to show that you've got to do it all the time, and that like I said, that's a fault of mine. But why is it that you know you go and find these one and a half man stands, and you're you know better be prepared to spend almost two hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. To be able to get one, and why is that? Not a lot of the average Joes can spend
0: that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it could be part of us, too, also, where we need to start losing some weight. But, I mean, it's kind of hard with, you know, family, work. Stress. Stress, everything. I mean, this year has sucked. 2020. Go F it, so. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> So, I mean, my job, I mean, usually we get, well, since I work at Do It, Do It Molds, where we make molds to make uh, fishing lures, fishing jigs, sinkers, soft baits. You can tie your own jig, uh, tie your own bucktails, flies, whatever. We sell all the components there. But after the COVID thing happened, um, our business just, skyrocketed with orders I mean ever since the beginning of April and usually busy season starts kind of towards the middle of November end of November and it goes until April May well middle of November of last year 2019 it's been non-stop and I've been putting in what what would you say Colin about 50 to almost sixty hours a week since yeah. April. I mean we had nothing on the shelves to send out to anyone. It was ridiculous. So the stress of that doesn't doesn't help and everything. But so we're just gonna the
1: what we're gonna be doing is is we don't wanna ruin or tarnish the hunting industry because Everybody has their own way of hunting. Lee and Tiffany Likoski, they have their way of hunting. Does everybody agree with it? No. The juries, they all have their way of hunting. You know, I don't want to, you know, I I don't think the juries are bad people. I don't think Lee and Tiffany are bad people. You know, I don't (laughs) think there are bad people in the industry. I think it's the people behind the scenes Mm -hmm. that are going to, that are doing it and that are turning it in to a rich man sport. And you're. I think you're starting to see that there's starting to be a bigger change coming in the industry. And I think this is just going to be the tip of the iceberg with things. things to come because you're starting to see more bow manufacturers come out and not have as many $1,000 bows or $1,500 bows. You know same way with aero companies There's starting to be more aero companies that are coming out they're starting to be uh rocket broadheads are now mm-hmm. coming back they're good I've never I can't complain about rocket broadheads mm-hmm. you
0: know I mean that's what we that's what I started shooting was rockets and I kind of switched to g5 montax and but then I went to Grim Reapers we had problems with Grim Reapers Endless problems And then I tried uh, no Not Grim Reapers. Rage. They were rage. Yeah, my Rages. bad rage rage Grim Reapers. We actually had good results with um, Not the results that we'd like to see but rage was the ones that were Endless problems. I mean more problems than what we wanted Then one season, you tried schwackers, didn't you? Yeah. And what happened with the schwackers? Unless
1: you're shooting a very heavy arrow and shooting 70 pounds, you ain't getting an exit hole.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, Levi Morgan, I think he's going to be able to help them out. I think he might have something in place that's going to help out with that, but... When you look at the design and the kinetic energy that you need to be able to push those through to really get the penetration you need, I'm a firm believer a small, over-the-top expandable broadhead is going to do as much or more damage Mm -hmm. than a big two-inch cut that you're going to try and force through a deer. Mm -hmm. I I don't necessarily think bigger is better, smaller is better. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, most definitely. I mean, I'd like to shoot more Grim Reapers, but, I mean, we never had problems with Rocket. And Never had problems with Rocket. And, there for a while, when they went up and disappeared, we couldn't find them anywhere. But, thankfully, they came back. But, yeah, those Schwackers, I probably wouldn't have an issue with them shooting them out of my bow, but I'll probably be switching from Hoyt to Expedition. Possibly, hopefully next year once I get money saved up for it. Yep. And, but...
1: We're going to be supporting more of the smaller people that you're not really hearing of, you know. Uh, tonight we tried a new product called Scent Thief. hmm And we... I'm a, I'm a firm believer in their products mm-hmm. from what they say. I think, uh, we didn't get to try it very long, but, uh, one deer we walked up, up on and she had more than the opportunity to blow at us and she did not. Mm-hmm. Uh, we walked with it when we were going to the stands that we were hunting tonight. Uh, we walked within 25 yards mm-hmm. of a buck and a doe And they could have easily have smelled us and they didn't blow and they didn't even bust hard.
0: Mm -mm. No. No, Uh They didn't blow. They didn't flag us. They didn't do nothing.
1: Yeah, we we never got the flag. We never, they did not spook out. Mm -mm. They, and it wasn't so much of them just being spooky. It was kind of something of, hey, don't know what's going on. I heard something. I'm just going to Okay, I'm going to go to a different spot. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, you know, if you hear something in your house, you know, you're going to, you know, deer are curious. So, I mean, but nothing was actually spooked out because, like I said, the deer gave no signal of being spooked mm-hmm. by any means of the imagination. Tomorrow night, we're, we're going to try it again. And we're actually going to purposely hunt a spot with the wrong wind and see how good it is. And that's what, you know, that's what I try to do with some of the stuff that I do is I'll I'll put it to the max. Some people will say, well, that's not good to do. Well, the areas that we hunt, other hunters hunt it on the private ground that we have. We don't hunt any ground that's leased. We don't hunt. We don't we aren't the only ones that hunt it. So we're con whether well, it's like us hunting public ground except we know who's on the private ground with us, but it's not like um a hunting camp deal or where everybody goes in on a lease or something. I mean the landowner shotgun hunt it and they do deer drives on it. And that's all they do is just deer drives. they'll walk it once in the morning, hunt, go to another part, walk it i mean they'll they'll walk through the same spot four or five times in throughout uh a weekend during shotgun season and I still go out there and I'm able to see deer and stuff, but that's the ground that we're able to hunt on is stuff like that because we don't have the money for to put down on a lease. We'd love to. But we don't we don't have the money to go and shoot brand new Matthews bows. We don't have the money to shoot top of the line equipment. We shoot what we're able to be able to afford. excuse me mm-hmm. so that way we can be successful. You know we don't know if there are we know that the one farm that we we're hunting tonight, we know there's an opportunity to be able to shoot a big mature buck. But would it be nice? Mm. Oh yeah, it'd be nice to. I mean, who wouldn't love to shoot a hundred and fifty, hundred and sixty inch deer? You know.
0: Mm.
1: But I mean, you know we're we've got limited time. You know, you know, we're both working, we're both working overtime. I mean, mm. in in two weeks time frame, I'm going to put in over a hundred and thirty hours. So. I mean, I'm, you know, with only getting two days off, you know, I'm averaging 13, 14 hour days and only getting two days off. And I got to spend time with the kids. So mm-hmm. I get one day to hunt,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and it's either a morning or an evening. Well, you know, a guy like me is not going to be picky, you know. Yeah, I've shot, you know, Mason can vouch for this. I've, I know how to get in front of big deer. I've, mm-hmm. I've been able to do it almost every single year but it comes at a cost and with have, us having kids and stuff we would much rather just go out and have the excitement and just be done whether it's a 120 inch deer that gets us going or if it's a great big mature doe mm-hmm. i mean we're just going to sit there and we're just going to sit there and punch tags have fun and hopefully try and show on our youtube channel that we've got up Our videos aren't the best right now, but we're working on it.
0: Yeah, that's the learning curve. We had a problem with uh, a little issue that we had last Friday with uh, videoing. I had everything videoed, you know, wonderful freaking footage of two little bucks fighting about, what would you say, 15 does on the field.
1: Oh, at least 15
0: yeah and then i went to try and upload them on my computer and my computer said i needed to format my sd card and well got a hold of a few other people that are in the industry about the problem i was having and they said they were dumbfounded they didn't know what was going on and couldn't really figure out what what i needed to do or anything and just lost all the footage so, I'm going to try a different route next time. Wish we could have gotten some video today, but little issue with the tree stand. So, it just seems like uh, everybody's fight, everything's fighting against us yep. on this one. But we're going to keep...
1: We're not going to let setbacks. Yeah. We're going to actually, hopefully try to show or talk about Some of our setbacks that Mm -hmm. you're not necessarily going to see, you know, like I said, you know, we're not like, you know, some of the other people that are out there. You know, the reason why we came up with the name last generation is if you go back 25 years ago, you know, you could pretty much go and knock on any farmer's door here in Iowa and get permission to deer hunt. Mm -hmm. Well, now you go and knock on a farmer's door, and this has happened to me in my little neck of the woods part of Iowa in, you know, northeast Iowa is, you know, I go and knock on the door, and the first words out of their mouth is, well, how much are you going to pay me? Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, I can't pay you nothing. I says, I can just show you respect, and if I find something wrong, you know, I can
0: try and help you out. Or even off of work.
1: Yep. I mean, and that's and that's great for
0: that. I mean, hell, I mean and that's
1: and that's still not enough for them, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, I understand farmers are, you know, farmers need, you know, they're wanting to make, you know, ends meet and if they can find a way to make money, you know, I don't blame farmers for saying, you know, what are you going to charge me, you know, especially when you got, you know, people that are paying two thousand, three thousand, five thousand, twenty thousand dollars, you know, I mean, Somebody, if I had property and somebody offered me that, yeah, I'm going to take the money too. You know, yeah. Especially when it's going to be paid in cash. And
0: I mean, what happened every- to us down in Southern Iowa? I mean, don't want to name names, but it's somebody big in the hunting industry. That yeah,
1: we had a company in the hunting industry. We had a we had over two thousand acres. I think it was like twenty two hundred mm-hmm. acres that we had permission to hunt on. And it
0: was, what was it? Not Ringgold County. Yep, was was County. County? County. Yep. It was Ringgold County. Ringgold County.
1: Yep. Ringgold County, about 20 miles, about 20 miles west of Decatur City. Mm-hmm. And there was a, well, that's a lot of big wig companies have, are outfitted in Southern Iowa. I mean, when people, when you hear people talking about hunting in Iowa, they're all Southeast, South Central, little bit southwest Iowa, not too far yet, but that's where a lot of them are. And like I said, we don't want to call out names because of, you know, we don't know the whole truth behind it, but this is one instance where, you know, calling out the industry, the people behind the scenes for it. But anyways, we had about 2,200 acres and it was barely hunted. Mm Mm-hmm. And come to find out, you know, we hunted it one year, saw a buttload of deer, you know, had fun. The following year, a good friend of ours that actually passed away uh, was helped us get on down there. But uh, we went down early. We hung stands up and everything. And uh, I think it was 2011
0: mm-hmm.
1: was our best year ever deer hunting because it was about this time we were down there, and we were what, two hundred yards apart, two hundred and fifty yards apart, mm-hmm. and we had three different Pope and Young bucks
0: in no, our area. No, mine, the one that I was underneath the evergreen tree, that was that was, that was, was about at least a one seventy. Yeah, that was he had been pushing one seventy, one eighty. It was the biggest deer I've ever seen, and the largest largest deer. Um, antler wise, I mean, his body was smaller than my first buck I shot, yeah. but, um, yeah.
1: And that same night I was up on top of an Oak Ridge and Mason can vouch for this. When I say I, I can judge deer inches wise. I told him I had one that was about pushing upper one sixties at the base of my tree and the only reason he had gotten that close is because i was watching an even larger one and come to find out this deer ended up getting shot but was over 200 inches mm-hmm. and i always thought to myself i i'm going to be able i'll be able to do it you know i've been on i've had you know i've shot at 170 inch deer during gun season and stuff and you know i've shot at and Mason can vouch for it. I've shot at 150, 170 inch deer with my Mm -hmm. bow on some of the properties that we've hunted. I mean, I've missed, but I've been able to do it, but this would have been the largest deer ever. And it actually shook me to the point where I actually could not get my bow drawn Mm -hmm. at that time. And it, it it was, they ended up shooting him. Um, the company that took the farm away from us the following year, uh, they showed pictures to the uh, landowner and he showed me and it was similar because I, I remember the facial features on that deer. He had a scar under his one eye and this deer had a scar under his one eye and they shot him within 30 yards of where I had seen him the previous year and they rough scored him at like 210 inches. It
0: was ridiculous.
1: And the sheds off of him were found before he was shot. And he was over, they only gave him a 16 inch spread. And I know he was wider than that, but with a 16 inch spread with his sheds, um, they roughed him at 207. Mm-hmm. It, it, was, it was just an enormous deer, big all the way around, big rack, big bodied, non typical. Yep, yeah, he had. Had a drop tine, and like I said, he just had points everywhere mm-hmm. big, massive, tall, everything you could ever dream of, you know, for a deer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, but the company came in and said, Hey, we're gonna offer so much, and for the next few years, we're gonna do this. And uh, the landowner's like, Well, you gotta shoot so many does, and like, Yep, we're gonna do this. And come to find out that they, Have not so. um, That's kind of the situations that we're starting to run into is some of these big name companies. You know, everybody wants to hunt Iowa. Everybody wants to hunt Kansas. Everybody wants to hunt Illinois, Wisconsin. Well, the big city money is speaking louder than you know our average Joe voices. You know our blue collar workers that. You know, some of us, yeah, might have the money to throw around and stuff, but a lot of us around here don't have the money to throw around.
0: Yeah, no. I mean, I sure don't. You yeah. don't.
1: Nope. And the funny thing is, though, is, and I'm not afraid to mention this, you want to come to Iowa and have a good experience at shooting uh, a Pope and Young class or even have a good chance at a Boone and Crockett deer? The top four trophy counties in Iowa are actually the far the ones there's two counties, the northernmost northeast counties Alamkee, Clayton, Winesheik, and Fayette Counties. The last I knew were the top four trophy counties for record book deer. And then it went down into southern Iowa. Well, there's two places in there's one big public land spot in Alamaki County. And there's another big one in Fayette County. And I know every year comes shotgun season, there are Boone and Crockett deer shot off of both public lands every year.
0: Yep.
1: And some of the time, you don't have to walk very far to have an opportunity at these deer. One time, I was actually sitting about a hundred yards off the road on a field edge. And I watched a hundred and seventy some inch deer come walking across the field at a hundred. Well, no, not 150. I got within 150 yards of him before he walked in, but I first saw him at about 250 yards during shotgun season in the middle of the day, just walking, minding his own business. And, uh, I tried to get in, get after him and couldn't do it, but he ended up getting shot. But then the group of guys that shot him also shot two others that were easily well over 140 inches Mm -hmm. out of this one little area on the public park. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And it's not 400 yards off the road. I mean, it's not, it's not a hard walk. I'm a big guy. You know, I carry 350 pounds pretty hard, but it's easy for me to get back in there and stuff so if I can do it easily anybody else can it's just a matter of knowing how deer work and knowing the least likely spots to go not all the time do you have to go off the beaten path you know Mason can vouch for this one year. when his first year shotgun hunting with us he didn't you know we were hunting public ground and how many times every year that you've shotgun hunted with us We always had a crack at a great big buck, didn't Mm -hmm. we? Every year. And Mm -hmm. at least one of us every year would shoot one that would go 130s, 140. Mm -hmm. And there was one year, there was one that actually got shot out of the park that went over 180 inches. Mm -hmm. And the guy shot him 25 yards off the road because every spot that he went to, there was somebody else there. But... And the park rangers can tell you all that information too. In both spots. I the one park ranger I know really well. And the other one it's not so much, but I mean the one area in Alamaki County is like almost nine thousand acres of public ground. And the one in Fayette County is like eighty-two or eight eighty three hundred acres, eight thousand three hundred acres. Mm-hmm. And it's just huge. Mm -hmm. And if you know where to go, I mean, looking at the area, you can know just by looking at it on Google Earth, you can easily tell that, well, here, this would be a good spot. This would be a good spot. And if your gut's telling you, those are the spots to get to.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And like I said, Mason can vouch for it is that of the, he's been to those places. They're not hard to get to, are they? No.
0: Nope.
1: It's nope. not hard to get a deer out of the, some of those places either.
0: Except for the where you had me drag that doe out.
1: That was on pub. That was on private ground that <laughs> we can no longer hunt. But that's. It
0: <laughs> that was right next to the park, though. I mean, it was. Next, right it was next, next to the park,
1: park, but we called that area Death Valley for a reason, yeah. and you found out why.
0: Yeah. Yeah but yeah no i mean i've been uh, there's been multiple times a buddy i work with out at do it he uh he's told me go to volga go to volga go to volga and he's like you know some of the parks over there yeah you know it, he's like
1: we'll get hunted hard during shopping yeah. season both season it doesn't get hunted very hard no
0: it don't get hunted very hard, but the problem is I mean like we don't any, have
1: the, we don't have the time to be able to drive up up the, there yeah and get something set up to yeah. be able to go and
0: do it we would
1: love to yeah you know, I would if i if I could devote my time to driving up there but for either one of us it's at least a half, a, a good forty five minute drive yeah for me I know it's an hour and five minutes yeah but like I said, it's hunting's getting to the point where I've got two little kids, you know, yep. I like being able to spend time.
0: I have a little one at home,
1: you know' we're, we're doing what we can, and so that way we, you know we've got time to spend with them at the forefront, you know mm-hmm. We don't want to spend all of our vacation time chasing deer, yeah you know? we want to spend our vacation time doing stuff with the family. Hunting is a hobby. <sighs> Would it be nice for us to be able to turn this into a full-time job? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's our goal is to hopefully be able to do this full-time.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't but, know. Well, I kind of really not, like my job at Do It, though.
1: But it's to the point... But my thing is, though, is... We weren't... It's not going to change us, though. No. We're not going to sit there... Oh, now we're doing this full-time. We're going to magically have all this time. No, we're still going to devote our time... and no, it's not going to change us mm-hmm. on how we hunt, why we hunt
0: and pretty much who we are because I mean you are. see you've seen these a lot of you know hunting, hunting celebrities and everything they start out you know not forgetting who they were who they are where their roots are and now since they've gotten bigger they're in the industry a lot longer their personalities have changed. The way they hunt has changed, and it's just get. I mean, it's getting to them. The money's getting to them. I mean, the pressure's getting. Yeah, to the them. pressure is getting to them.
1: We will say one name on this one. Hence, look at the uh, issue that Chris Brackett ran into. Yeah,
0: he's.
1: A, I think he's still a decent guy.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, a lot of people have but, said that he's a decent guy. But
1: with Chris Brackett, though, the pressure. Yep. Not following the rules fu- fully. Mm-hmm. You
0: know, hence there
1: again, you know, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody's human. Mm-hmm. We're going to make mistakes.
0: Yep. Well, you know? what about Spook's Span, though? What was the result on Spook Span, though, with that whole deal?
1: I I don't know enough about Spook. I've, I've
0: only. I know he had something happen to him in Kansas, though.
1: There was a deal in Kansas, I, you know, but there again, it just comes back to the pressure of that some of these Man. bigger companies are doing to say...
0: The CEO of shoot. the CEO of Wild Game Innovations, too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the pressures of, of everything. It's
1: the, it's the pressure of making sure <sighs> that, you know, their true roots wanted to show that they didn't want to ha- have to shoot something small. Mm-hmm. But see, one thing that I think that is going good for the industry, though, are the Bone Collector guys. Michael Waddell, Travis Turner, Nick Munt. hmm They're not afraid to sit there and show you, you know. Michael Waddell, you know, he's he's not afraid to tell you. First buck that gets him excited. Yep. And he's shown that he's been tempted. Yeah. And he's even joked about it. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, good things come to those who wait.
0: Yeah, T Bone is another one. I mean, he loves shooting does.
1: Exactly, and they're, and not, they're
0: not afraid to show it.
1: Yep, yeah. and you know, and they, they, you know, we heard. I, I listened to him on the Working Class uh, Bow hunter podcast. Yeah. You know, they're good, down to earth guys. You know, if they've got a tag that they can fill, they want to fill it. You know, they're mm-hmm. they're like everybody else. You know, but they've, you know. I don't knock the way that they hunt, but they've got to hunt the way that they want to, that they are now to make sure that they're doing good for mm-hmm. their people that that are sponsoring them. But, you well, know, I, I, almost, I is... can almost tell you that I think if you took the camera away from those guys and just told them go out in the woods and have fun, I don't think they would have the pressure of wanting to shoot big mature deer. I think, yeah. I think it would be hard for them at the start, well, but...
0: Not only that, but in order, a lot of these sponsors, though, like the companies, they tell them, okay, this is how many, this is how big a deer that you need to shoot. This is how many of big deer or big bulls or whatever you need to shoot, and if you don't get that, you don't meet that requirement. You're out. Yep. So they're under that pressure all the time. And I think
1: I think that's part of it, but they're pushing the. You know, I think they're pushing really hard for some of these companies. Well, the companies are pushing it, and they're like, "Oh, because I shot this big deer, you get." You know, they're put, they're making their outdoor personalities, people push the product on them. Yeah. We don't want to. If we do get sponsored by a few, we're not going to try and force it upon you because just because it works for us doesn't mean it's going to work for you. No. You know. You know, the guys that, uh, I'm not putting a knock on G5 by any means, you know, but G5 is a one of their big sponsors. Mm-hmm. Well, and they said, you know, they're having great results. To me, I, I've i shot G5. G5 doesn't work for me, and some of their designs I don't like. I I like their newer designs, but I can't <laughs> afford their newer designs. Yeah. You know, I can't afford fifty dollars a pack for broadheads. And then three pack. Yeah, for three broad, I can't afford that. Yeah. I mean, it's you know, I got to scrimp and save to spend the thirty dollars yep. for the rocket broadheads that mm-hmm. we're using this year. Well, and, the, and, also, and we're not
0: sponsored by Rocket by any. We're not sponsored by anybody. No. And the thing is, is that you know we kind of fell into the whole scent lock, scent blocker type thing. Yep. Way in the beginning. Into- we fell into that, and but the thing was, when they first came out, we couldn't afford it. No, we actually had to buy our stuff used. Yep. and you know from other people just to see if it did work. Well, we found out it does not work. It's not gonna, you know.
1: It, I think it. I think some as long as you do everything 100% down
0: to a T. I think it helps. It helps, but it doesn't do it 100%. Right, but I think... You this, still got to play the wind. And a lot of people have found with, that out.
1: And the thing that I've noticed that tonight, though, is with this Scent Thief product, I mean, it's kind of up there in price, but it's not anything that anybody can't afford.
0: Well, it's not like it's going to be like the price... It's not the price of, like, Dead Down Wind or, you know, stuff like that.
1: No, but we saw firsthand that, you know... I think Scent Thief is going to be a, end up becoming a big company the more that, you know, if to get them out there yeah. and see it because if they're not already being noticed, I haven't noticed anybody, but I haven't watched a lot of the Outdoor Channel stuff and I haven't, I haven't heard seen of anybody promoting Scent Thief really besides <laughs> some of their own people mm-hmm. and what I've seen on YouTube with it. And I used to be huge on... Um, the HS Sanwa sprays and mm-hmm. the scent killers, scent wafers, that stuff. I'm a firm believer in that. I think they make a very good product. They do. I've used that, and I've had great results with deer coming in downwind and not smelling me. Yeah. But tonight there was just that game changer. I don't know what it was, but those deer did not spook. No, they didn't. They and we both times, well, out of the three times we should have been blown at. Mm-hmm. We weren't blown at. Yeah. And I know if it would have been anything else, the deer would have been blowing and this and that.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. But, and back to the products deal. I mean, even with, you know, like the Ozonics, everybody's pushing Ozonics. They're pushing, you know, all this other stuff saying, yeah, this works great and everything. But you, everyone still so far says, play the wind. Have the wind to your face at all times. And have, everything. have the
1: wind blown to where the deer aren't going to be Yeah, from. that
0: way. Yep. yep. So, uh, but, yeah, so anyway, but yeah, we're going to be doing some things later on down the road and everything. There was something else I was going to bring up, but I can't remember it right now. I know we're gonna have a couple
1: podcasts coming up
0: here shortly. Yep. Um, both- uh, Josh, Josh Q from What Makes Us Fire. He he's agreed to come on sometime. Um, both of our hunting buddies.
1: Yep, we're gonna have them on. They've both have actually tagged out already. Yeah. On decent deer that. You know, they're not monsters by any means. They're not, a couple of them are barely pushing Pope and Young, but it's what got their adrenaline going. Is mm-hmm. They're the best deer that they've ever shot with a bow by far.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, the one guy that'll come on is Brady. Mm-hmm. I actually got him into it last year, deer hunting, and we'll talk about how what made him decide to come into it and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but he shot... His biggest deer with a bow, and like I said, it's nothing, you know, a lot of people have been, oh, should have waited another year or two or three or whatever. Well, this deer got him excited and he was happy with it. Then that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. You know, same way with our other friend that actually hunts one of the property that we were hunting tonight. Steven. He, he'll he join us and talk about, you know, he used to actually hunt out east in Massachusetts. So we'll get him to talk a little bit about that, and
0: getting his wife, well, future future wife, right? Yep, yeah, yeah,
1: they're engaged
0: to be married. Yeah, if getting his future wife in in the hunting, and she shot her first deer ever, shot her last turkey ever this year too, wasn't it? She shot
1: her first turkey opening morning of the second Iowa turkey season, first morning out, called him in, strutted right in, one shot, one kill.
0: I Tonight, think I might have to go there, sit. I think I might have to go sit with him and get my turkey. How times I got him?
1: I got him his first turkey. So it, <laughs> I, we've got to spot
0: the turkey hunt. <laughs> well, but, uh, how many times have we sat with, sat with you and nothing? But the well, money, I mean, I've got a turkey back there
1: on the wall that says different. Now.
0: Yeah, but for me, for me anyway, I think we're fa- you're failing as a guide. For oh me. no, I'm, I'm am I not paying the, you enough?
1: I, I don't know, but I mean. <laughs> I, I, I'm not trying to brag, but when it comes to helping people out, I'm batting a hundred percent on having opportunities. Mm-hmm. I've been batting a hundred percent, you know, first time I took Brady out, he was able to connect on a doe. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first time I took, uh, first time taking Steven out turkey hunting, mm-hmm. you know, he shot a Jake, mm-hmm. you know, and then he carried that over this year with his, uh, fiance. He carried the exact same deal of how we did everything, Mm -hmm. carried it over, and she shot a very respectable time, actually bigger than the one I've got on my wall right Mm -hmm. now. Um, He put the same concept down for deer hunting this Mm -hmm. year. Second night out, he shoots a 120-inch nine-point with his grandma who, if I remember right, told me it was his grandparents that got him involved in hunting. Mm -hmm. And to be able to share that with them, that's that's pretty cool. Um, so, we're going to have those two people on. We're going to try and get, you know, a few other people on and talk about our season. What, you know, what we're doing. How is it going? You know, keep talking about the products that we are using. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're going to, you know, still be firm believers in it, it's going to be hard to change me from shooting Rocket Broad as because I shoot... I shot them when they first came out back in the early 2000s. And, uh.
0: Well, and the thing is for me, I haven't really found that broadhead I officially like, though, that I'll always stick to. I mean, that's just me. With me,
1: and I, I was explaining this to Brady one time everybody's going bigger, bigger, bigger mm-hmm. when it comes to broadheads. Uh, the G5 Mega Me. They went bigger. Mm-hmm. They swept the blade angle back. Okay. Grim Reaper though. They haven't. they They've. They went bigger, but now they've also got a micro series. Mm-hmm. Well, with some of the aero companies that are going micro diameter. Okay, so now that everybody's starting to put the needle effect into it, you know, a sharp needle, you're not going to really feel it. Yeah. Excuse me, you know. So that's kind of the way I think when I choose my broadheads. I like over the top expandables. <clears throat> I like Grim Reaper's design with the over top expandable and I like Rockets design with the over top over the top expandable. Um I like I also like a lightweight broadhead cuz I don't want I want my arrow to get there quick. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. You know, as if I can have my arrow weighing between 400 and 440 grains, that's what I want. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not, you know, if I ever decide to go on an elk hunt, yeah, I'll shoot a heavier broadhead, you know, I'll shoot a heavier setup, mm-hmm. and I'll shoot a fixed blade broadhead, but I will shoot a micro, a micro series from Grim Reaper, or mm-hmm. I'll shoot, you know, or I'll just shoot a heavier arrow and I'll shoot a rocket Over Mm -hmm. the top expandable broadhead.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, because I have faith in them that they know what they're doing and I've never had an issue with their product. Uh, I've seen my dad back in the early 2000s. My dad hit a twig and hit a deer wrong. And he was shooting a lightweight broadhead. Actually, their 75-grain rocket wolverine. Ended up hitting the deer clear back by the hip, but the arrow buried clear out, cleared up into his chest. The only thing that was sticking out of a 29-inch arrow was the knock. Mm-hmm. That little 75-grain broadhead busted the rear hip of the deer and put a cut straight down the uh, rib cage. And literally when I pulled out the field-dressed it, the one lung was cut directly in half. All the arteries were cut. And it had two blades cut across the top of the heart where it embedded in the chest plate right where the neck and the chest meet. It buried that far up into Mm -hmm. the deer. That was a 40-yard shot. Mm -hmm. That's pretty remarkable. Mm -hmm. You know, I shot that broadhead a few days later. I shot the other two. I shot a deer twice at 20 yards. The deer never felt it. Mm-hmm. And this was before they can the micro diameter errors. It was a regular gold tip XT hunter. Like I'm mm-hmm. holding in my hands. Blew through it at 20 yards, not once, but twice. And would eat, cough out the blood and then continue to eat.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I mean, it's, we've, I've never had an issue with them not deploying. I never had an issue with blades breaking on mm-hmm. them. I mean, yeah, you go, you shoot something enough into plywood, yeah, it's going to break.
0: Well, yeah, and I think and a lot of the
1: problem- I don't think plywood is a good, suitable deal for, to mimic a deer's shoulder. I mean, there's nothing really that can mimic a deer's shoulder. I mean, yeah, there's going to be some that are, you know, it, there's a deer's shoulder, you hit it in the right spot, a fixed blade broadhead is going to stop it. Mm-hmm. I mean... I've seen guys shoot a deer in the shoulder with a 12-gauge slug at 50 yards mm-hmm. and not find the deer. Mm-hmm. That's a heck of a lot more kinetic energy going into it than what an arrow is going to deliver. Yeah.
0: Well, and the thing is, I think a lot of these companies are trying to push these small micro-diameter arrows is the help with penetration. You know, with that, if you do head your you are going have... Because all the companies
1: are going bigger. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go smaller. You know, Grim Reaper's already on that with going smaller. They made the Micro Hades. Mm -hmm. You know, they've got the, you know, they've got a four-blade. Micro
0: Mini Me or Mini, whatever they call it. Mini Carnage or whatever it is.
1: That's a four-blade over-the-top expandable. Mm -hmm. Um, They've got an 85-grain broad end, It's only an inch and three-eighths. Their 75-grain version of it um, is only an inch and a quarter. The Rocket Wolverines I'm shooting, inch and a quarter. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and back then, they said the 75 grain was designed for lightweight bolt, light poundage bows to mm-hmm. help get with better penetration. And I've seen them do it. You know, I saw the video that they had out with it. I hope they come out with something like that. Um, again, I hope they come out with another, you know, a 75 grain version or an 85 grain version or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, with an over-the-top spindle, I think they're onto something good mm-hmm. right now. Same way with Grim Reaper, mm-hmm. um, you know. But everybody's wanting to go bigger and bigger, and like I said, I I don't see the need for it. Really. I mean, the
0: one company I can't can't uh, believe that they're even making broadheads. I don't even know how they're selling these, but a lot of people are using them. For elk caribou moose I mean larger animals is Valkyrie those broadheads they look deadly but they're I mean I think I only saw one brand that has it's hundred grain the rest is 125 on up and I'm sitting there thinking how and why you know,
1: Everybody's thinking, you know, heavier is better. Heavier is better. Well,
0: I mean, the length of them are look like a freaking knife. Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. But well, I get it is what it is. It I is, mean,
1: I mean, there is science behind, at you know, going with seventy seventeen percent FOC front of center. Mm-hmm. You know, there is science behind it. You know, there is. All that, but what everybody needs to realize is just shoot what works best for you. Like mm-hmm. I said, I'm not afraid to take a 400-grain arrow out, and I know how my equipment performs. Mm-hmm. I know what I can and cannot do, mm-hmm. and I, and that's what I work with. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I don't, I'm not going to go shoot a 550-grain arrow or a 600-grain arrow. Try and through, shoot a deer through some grass that I can mm-hmm. just barely see through because I don't care if I'm shooting an 800 grainer, I'm not going to take a shot at a deer mm-hmm. through grass because I it, that's just not ethical. No. I, I don't care how much you practice it, but you're just asking for something to go wrong. Mm-hmm and to me there is a fine line that you got a tippy
0: toe well and the thing is when you're shooting through the grass you don't know what is in that grass
1: you don't know if you might hit something just a little bit harder that's going to yeah. deflect it you know unless you know the area down to a t and know that there's not nothing hiding. that grass isn't hiding a a small twig that's going to deflect your mm-hmm. arrow that you don't know about mm-hmm. it's it's just not worth it
0: no no and that's kind of then I mean for me how for how many years did I have that Hoyt Nitrum Turbo and you kept saying well here's a bow, here's a bow, here's a bow and I kept saying no I like my setup. I like the way what you know the way my setup is. I don't have a QAD rest or a ripcord you know rest on there. I don't have you know the fancy dancy spot hog or whatever other Don't fancy. Get wrong.
1: We'd love to be able to shoot those top line Yeah, I'd love too. to shoot
0: those top line You know, I mean, sites, but I've, I can't I've, afford them. I've,
1: I've worked my tail off to shoot some of that. T- I mean, I had a Matthews at one time. I, oh, I yeah. had the $150 QAD rest. I had the, you know, I, at the time, I, I spent a hundred, you know, I had a black gold $130 site on it. Mm-hmm. You know, I spent the money and shot the you know, I spent the hundred and forty dollars for, hundred forty hundred and fifty dollars for the, um, for the Carbon Express arrows, and mm-hmm. then I shot the, you know, I put went and bought the Rages, and you know, mm-hmm. nothing. What I, and what setup did I come back to? I I got a bow like my old setup mm-hmm. used to be. I'm shooting gold tip arrows, and I'm shooting rocket broadheads.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's that's it. I mean, for me, I have Trophy Ridge, 5-pin uh, sight. I have a Trophy Taker arrow rest. It's not a QAD or the ones that you flip the tab and the arrow's staying up at all times. I mean, you have to draw back in order to lift the arrow up and release to let the drop away go back down. And really, I don't really have anything that's, Wholeheartedly we don't have expensive. Anything.
1: Yeah. I mean, the most expensive thing is my bow. Yeah. But I mean, that's the same that's, with me. But I mean, my bow before I got it was only $599 mm-hmm. because it was a 2018 model that yep. hadn't, you know, but I put a $100 HHA drop away rest on it. Yeah. I've got a $70. CVE site on mm-hmm. it. I mean... You know, my entire... I mean, I use the bow as trade-in. I don't think I've got over... $300... That yeah. I
0: spent out of my own pocket. Yeah. And... I mean, that's pretty much the reason why I'm thinking about getting my, rid of my Hoyt and going with the Expedition. Mainly because... The situation that you had with Hoyt. Um, and also... You know, knowing that expedition is right in Decorah, Iowa. How Lipson. far is it from us, Decorah? Hour and a half drive. Yeah, hour and a half drive. I to mean, their, to their
1: actual shop.
0: Yeah, and I work in. I mean, do it. The place I work is you know, do it mold, molds. They're right in Denver. Well, then Tyson Trunk Hill, he owns Sticks and Stones Archery in Denver, Iowa. I mean, literally right down the road from Do It. And I, that's where I want to do my business. I mean, Hoyt has has plenty of business out there, and um, so that's mainly the reason why I'm probably going to go with Expedition. They're right in Iowa, not in states away. You know, even though Matthews is in Wisconsin, but Matthews has plenty of freaking business. I mean, there's so many people shooting Hoyt. Matthews, I mean, P-S-E. yeah, PSE. They all make good quality
1: equipment. Don't take us wrong on that. Yeah, they, they make very good equipment.
0: Yeah, but for
1: what expedition actually has bows out that they're willing to work with their comp- their their fan base a little bit more. So that's why we're that's why I made the switch. But I also it's got everything that I like in it, so that's mm-hmm. why I did what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But like guess like we said, we're gonna get other people on, and we're gonna talk about all sorts of issues. You know how twenty oh, yeah. twenty's been going, how the season's going for us, how
0: you know more in depth on what we're doing, why we're mm-hmm. doing it. Yeah, well, and main and also I do want, do want to do a shout out though for Tyson, uh, the owner of. Uh, sticks and stones um he's a veteran and what was he in the army or the marines army Uh, was he in the army and uh he's doing awesome things for other veterans doing uh what was it called um he does he's got a
1: program to help yeah veterans get into hunting by giving them a free, uh, uh,
0: free bow. Somebody donates a bow, he tricks it out with a whole bunch of equipment and donates it to a veteran that um, wants to get wants back. to get gets into hunting, get back into hunting, or is hunting,
1: or just into shooting in general.
0: Yeah, and uh, also does awesome things for um, retrieving freedom. Helps trains uh, service dogs and. Uh, Mainly, he's just a good guy all around. Um, but uh, time's almost up, so I guess we're on to whatever's next. Hopefully, down the road, we'll have one down, down on the ground, and uh, we'll be able to tell you about it. Yep,
1: and we'll probably do a short little podcast about what our next ones are going to be about. Either me or Mason will yeah, put one out saying who our next couple of guests are going to be once we get them all uh, lined up and we'll keep it going and leave us comments on what you want to hear us talk about and what's going on in Iowa. We'll, yeah. We're not afraid to share information either.
0: Yep. And uh, maybe even some stories of our past hunts. Uh, who, how uh, we got into hunting, got in the outdoors, yeah. things we'll probably, like that.
1: We'll probably do one that how we got into it, why we're doing it. And, yeah couple of hunts that mean the most to us yep that way you're everybody's able to understand us better yeah kind of know more of where we're coming from too since you know we don't have enough time to be able to go over everything now so
0: yep all right on to the next one